welcome to Sacred Listening since October 7th. In recent months, Central Synagogue has brought you dozens of programs, speakers, and sermons about the war in Israel and Gaza. We have heard from Israelis, Americans, and Palestinians who have shared their nuanced and diverse perspectives. This podcast mini-series aims to explore some of the main themes from these offerings over eight episodes. We are not a newsroom. Rather than presenting you with up-to-the-minute information about the ongoing war, we hope to present intellectual and spiritual discourse to pique your interest and touch your heart. I'm rabbinic intern Rebecca Thau, and I'm honored that you're joining us. Our mini-series will begin where this crisis itself began, on October 7th. <laughs> This was the refrain I heard over and over from Israeli family and friends as I reached out to them in the days following what we now know was the largest, most vicious massacre of Jews since the Holocaust. Ein Milim. In her first sermon after the October 7th attack, Senior Rabbi Angela Bookdahl conveyed the power of words and how difficult it was, it is, to find the words to adequately describe that horrible day. Leading Israeli thinker and public intellectual Yossi Klein Halevi taught at Central in December. He believes that October 7th struck at the core of one of the state of Israel's key aspirations, the idea of Jewish sovereignty and strength, which could ensure Jewish safety. We glimpsed a possible scenario of what the destruction of Israel would look like. Our border overrun, the Israeli army nowhere to be seen, citizens abandoned, and really the collapse of Israeli sovereignty. Many of us here, maybe most Israelis, have this deep intuition that this is one of those moments in the life of Israel that really will determine our long-term ability to, to survive in, in the Middle East. This is the shock that we in Israel haven't begun to absorb, that the worst blow, the worst return of Jewish helplessness happened within Israel's sovereign borders. And so this is also a war to restore the credibility of Israel's promise of refuge. Yossi brought us an intellectual, historical framework for thinking about this moment vis-a-vis -vis the goals of Zionism and the broader Jewish past, to hear about the personal experience of someone on the ground in a southern kibbutz, we turn to Anat Marla, the director of the Society and Community Division of the Kibbutz Movement, who survived Hamas's October 7th attack on her kibbutz in the south of Israel. So on October 7th, we were home in Nirim, we were sleeping when the red color alert went off at about 6.30 in the morning. Uh, and as, as Tal was saying, you know, we're 
used to used to having these alerts once every, I don't know, few months. Uh, but we ran to the safe room. We woke up the kids. I have two kids. Um, one is 15 and the other is 12. So me and my husband, um, we, you know, dragged them from their beds because they were, you know, just wanted to keep sleeping. And at first we were sure, you know, it's going to be over very quickly. But the rockets kept being fired. We kept hearing like the alert going off again and again. And shortly afterwards, uh, I think in about five or 10 minutes, we started hearing gunfire very close to our home, uh, inside the kibbutz, which is something I've never heard before. It's, you know, it's unimaginable. It's not something you think could happen. And then shortly after that, uh, we heard shouts in Arabic, many men shouting, calling to each other just, you know, outside our window. It's impossible to lock the doors of the safe room, I guess you heard, uh, for safety reasons, <laughs> which is uh, now sounds absurd. Uh, so we had to sit right on, like next to the door, clutching to the door handle, uh, which is what my husband did for eight hours. He just sat there. We spent uh, eight hours in, in the safe room. Reports starting to pour in through the WhatsApp both from people in, in the kibbutz saying there are terrorists inside our house. Houses were put on fire. Uh, we had families in the safe room while, while their house was being burnt down with kids, with babies. You read it, but you can't believe it. You can't believe it's happening and it's happening to you. I, I, at some point, I really I, I started thinking, okay, if they, they get in the house, uh, how am I going to protect my kids? Um, really, you know, um, thinking of, it's it's ridiculous to think now, but, you know, maybe we can push something against the door to, to keep it, you know, locked, or I'm going to hide the kids behind the bed. By the way, a lot of people did it, right? Kids were um, hidden under beds or in the closet for many, many hours. At about 1.30, soldiers first arrived in the kibbutz, it took them several hours to go. They went door to door, neighborhood to neighborhood to clear the kibbutz from terrorists. Uh, so they first arrived at our house at about 2.30 p.m. Uh, but we had to stay in. They just told us, okay, uh, you know, this, this neighborhood is, has been cleared, but you have to stay inside. Uh, and then about three hours later, we were all all people, all the people in the kibbutz were gathered to a um, central location in the kibbutz. Really from babies who have just been born to people close to 100, all sitting together on the floor, you know. It was the most surreal night of my life. We spent the night there, uh, soldiers um, like surrounding the, the perimeter of, the, um, of this location because there were still apparently terrorists in the kibbutz. We had to wait until late or early in the afternoon the next day to be taken out of the kibbutz with buses and, and military cover to go to Eilat. So in Irim, five people were murdered and another five were taken hostage into Gaza, which are small numbers in comparison to our neighbors in kibbutz Nir Oz. Anat's immediate family was lucky, but as she described, Many people from southern Israeli communities were killed and taken hostage. This hostage crisis will be our focus for the next podcast episode. 
Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Video links to the excerpted programs can be found in the show notes. I'm Rebecca Thau, and I look forward to connecting again soon.